Psalms 92 in verse 10. And the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, but you, talking about the Lord, but you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I, somebody say I. Come on, say it again. I. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. It's talking about us. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Y'all know about that fresh oil? I've been anointed with fresh oil. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, allow me to share your word with accuracy, God, with boldness, with confidence. Lord, pierce our hearts with your word this morning. God, challenge us, God, where we need to be challenged, God. Confront us in areas, God, that we may not even want to be confronted in, God. Lord, pinpoint things in our life, God, that by the aid of your spirit, God, we need to change. We need to grow, Father. We need to put attention and effort in, Father, to grow into who you've called us to be, God. Lord, I pray, God, that we're all anointed with fresh oil by the end of this service, God. As we have a new year, we're entering, God, and with this new year, we need a new anointing, God. So we're praying and claiming that you give us that new anointing in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. You may have a seat in the house of the Lord. Amen. God is good to see you. Know my name is Zachariah Boltz. I'm the associate pastor here at Victory Life Ministries. I also serve as the program director for the Victory Life Men's Home. And I have the honor today to preach the word of the Lord to you as my pastor couldn't make it just yet this morning. And uh, I'm excited about the word and I'm also excited about this new year. Amen. It's 2019 and so I'm believing God for new blessings, new breakthroughs, new anointings and new supernatural movings of God's Holy Spirit in our hearts. That's what we're believing for in 2019. Amen. But this morning, if you would turn to me to John 14... John 14, we're going to be going 5 through 15. And I love that Psalms 92 because that Psalms is a Psalm of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a time of transition, right? It's a transition ending one week and going into a new week. And so what the psalmist is saying, what he's saying is, listen, the anointing I had for then was good for then. But now what I'm pressing in towards, what I'm moving into, I need a new anointing. You see, there was nothing wrong with yesterday's anointing. There was nothing wrong with yesterday's breakthrough. There was nothing wrong with yesterday's prophecy. But what we're walking into as the body of Christ, we need the new anointing. We need fresh oil. We need a fresh breakthrough. We need a fresh prophecy. And that's what we're believing for at Victory Life. Our men's home and women's home, you know, today, this evening, in a few hours, we're going to be headed to Fort Worth, Texas. Funky town. They call it funky town because they got some funky smells up there. Funky town. And we're going to a conference, the, the Chosen Conference. It's going to be three days of nothing but Jesus. And, you know, sometimes when we have conferences, me and my pastor strategize and we get together and we decide, you know, we're going to leave some people here to handle some, some ministry, to do some things while we're gone. But this time we decided to shut everything down and send everybody. Because we believe, we believe that, that God wants to refocus us as, as a people. He wants to empower us as a people during these three days. We're, we're believing for breakthroughs. We're believing for prophecy. We're believing for anointing. We're believing for fresh oil. But sometimes in order to get that new anointing, you got to shut everything else down and focus on the one thing you need to be focused on, and that's seeking Jesus. That's knowing the Lord your God. That's the priority. And as leadership, we made it priority during this conference. Shut everything else down, send everybody to this conference, and worship the Lord your God. Amen? We're believing it. Three days of Jesus, nothing but Jesus. Morning, night, Jesus, Jesus. Woo! Waking up, Jesus, going to sleep with Jesus. Amen? And then we're going to take what we got there, and we're going to bring it back here to you guys. Hallelujah. But in John 14, in verse 5, 
And the word of God says this. Thomas said to him, who's him? That's right. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? We always want to know the answers. We can't just trust in the Lord. We want to know what's going on. We want to know the direction. Instead of leaning on him, we got to figure everything out. That don't work. And six, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Sitting here walking with Jesus day in and day out. Seeing the miracles. Doing the ministry. Serving in the church. Serving, serving in the leadership team. Seeing everything that's going on behind the scenes. Just walking with God. And he has the audacity to ask Jesus, show us the Father. We don't know the Father. So this comes to tell me, right, that you can be busy working in the temple... You can know all the scriptures in the Bible. You can have memorized the law. You could have even been walking with the disciples who were following Jesus. You could be right up there in the mix of the Kool-Aid. Right where the sugar's at. But you can do all this and not know the Father. And not have the priority of knowing God. In verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long? He, he's going to rebuke him real good here. Have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? You put your name there. Ken, Elliot, Brandon. You've been doing this how long and you still haven't come to know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, disciples of mine, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Right here. Y'all need to pay attention right here. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And you know, here at Victory Life, we love to break that scripture down because a lot of people burden themselves with rules Boy. and regulations mm. and all these things. And they feel like if they love God and they, and they serve God, then they have to obey all these things and do all this stuff to please God and get on his good side. But that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, if you love me, then out of the love for me, you'll naturally, innately obey my commandments. You see, you're going to be really frustrated and you're not going to live a victorious Christian life if you try to show your love for God by obeying all his commandments. That's not how it flows. The, the obedience to the commandments flows out of a love for Jesus. So I love God, so naturally what comes with that is I obey his commandments. Amen? And I love this because these people are walking with Jesus and, and, and they still miss the fact of knowing the Father, of really knowing the Father. And even the religious people in this day, right, they knew their Bible, they memorized the law, the Torah, they knew church, they knew the temple, they was working in the temple, and when Jesus came on the scene, they didn't even recognize him. I would hate to be uh, uh, knees deep in a ministry or a church. And when the move of God really comes across, we can't recognize it. 
When Jesus really walks in the room, we don't understand what it is. When the word of God is coming from the throne room, we can't hear it because we can't recognize Jesus. Because the usual, the routine, the, the mechanical, the monotony of what we're used to, it doesn't look like what we're used to. Maybe, maybe you come into the church and we don't sing hymns. And you always grew up in the old backwood Baptist church and all they did was sing hymns. And so when God begins to move on some contemporary worship, you disqualify and say that can't be God. Because it didn't come out of a hymn book. They couldn't even recognize the Father. They couldn't recognize Him. And the disciples, I really got a bone to pick with the disciples. They were following Jesus. Even in themselves have been anointed and had authority to cast out demons, to heal people, prophesy. And even in this text, after all this, they saying they don't know the Father. Even they don't know the Father. And the ministry, the whole ministry of Jesus was to reveal the Father. Guess what God wants you to do? He wants you to reveal the Father. He wants you to find somebody else that don't know the Father and reveal the Father to them. Amen? And some of y'all tried real hard to reveal the Father with words, but all anybody sees, watching, and listens to is the way you live. You can, you can be the best preacher on the block, but if you ain't living none of it, you're not going to impact the people God's uh, assigning you to. Amen? And even in Luke chapter 15, we got the story of the prodigal son. You got the prodigal father, the prodigal son, and you got the prodigal older brother, right? And this, Jesus tells us this parable because this story, because he, he's trying to show us who the father is, the heart of the father, the love of the father. And that, in that passage of the prodigal son, the, the father represents our father. And you got to understand the older son, I love preaching this story, the older son out in the fields, he was there the whole time. He was doing all the right stuff, right? He didn't run away like his prodigal brother and spend his inheritance on all this nonsense, <laughs> sinful and wild living. He was there. He was serving. He was working. He stayed with the father. But even after all those years of serving and working in the father's field, he still never caught the father's heart. He never caught the father's heart. Amen? And Jesus was using this parable to try and show us the character of God. And I want you to understand, a real Christian, when we're talking about an authentic, true, real Christian, a real Christian sees everything in life as a gift. Okay? They see everything in life as a gift. But a religious person, a religious person begins to put God in their debt. And a religious person says, well, I do all this, so God, you owe me. All right? That's why we got the, 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 the entitlement spirit that comes flooding into the church. Because of everything I do, I deserve this. Well, the reality is you deserve a devil's hell. And so anything on top of that that you get, that's ice cream and, and cherries. You know, that's, that's blessings. That's, you know, that's just what comes with it. Amen? A religious person tells God that he should be in their debt. You see, a real Christian, a real Christian will always have a spirit of wonder. A spirit of astonishment. Always be in a state of wonder, just, just, just blown away by what God's doing for them. Blown away by the way they see God moving in the, the people's lives around them. Blown away by what God's providing, how he's moving, how he's sowing up and sowing out. A true all Christian, they're always in a state of wonder. You know, when you wake up, like Ken was saying, he woke up and he, was, he had an attitude of gratitude. He was thanking God. And everything may have not been perfect in his life, but he woke up and he was in a state of wonder because he's like, man, I know who I am and who I used to be, and it's crazy the way God is moving for me. A state of wonder. But a religious person, a religious person can experience a trial or go through a little something-something, and then they look up at God and the people of God, and they say, I'm putting in all this, and I'm getting this as a result. God, you owe me. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How could you have that reaction, right? That's funny. A Christian stays astonished through all times of life, right? And this is where we mess up, okay? You got your notes out? Okay. This is where we mess up, all right? Is that if you, it, it don't matter what you could be doing. 
It don't matter how much you've done. It don't matter how many skills, how many gifts, how much experience. I don't care how many people you led to the Lord, Bubba. All right? I don't care about how many prophecies you handed out, sister. All right? If knowing God becomes anything but first in your life, you're out of whack. You're out of whack. Anything. If serving God becomes priority over knowing God, you're out of whack. Uh-huh. If serving in the ministry, serving in the church becomes priority over just knowing God, you're out of whack. And we sit here and we wonder because we're here and we're serving and we're doing all the stuff. We look the part. We're doing everything. But knowing God is not important to us no more. And we wonder why we have lack of joy, lack of peace. We're not seeing the provision that's promised to us. We feel like we're not walking in the promises. Because Jesus said it simple, seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. You see, he was giving you, he was giving you an equation, right? He was giving you the recipe for a blessing. If it's first in your life, everything else naturally follows, right? And so knowing God has to be priority. It has to be first. And if you look at the majority of the prayers in the Bible, most of them are for personal knowledge of God. Remember the Apostle Paul? He would always tell the churches he's writing to, I pray you come to know God. I pray you come to know the Father. I pray that you receive a knowledge of the one true living God. A majority of the prayers are about knowledge of God. And you've got to understand, personal knowing is everything. I'm not talking about secondhand knowledge. Amen? Some of you, you don't personally know me, but you know somebody that does personally know me, and that person probably gossips from sun up to sun down about me. And so, so you think you know me, but you don't have a personal relationship with me. You have a secondhand knowledge, and so thus you're missing out on the blessings, right? The value, the worth of a real, real relationship with me. And it's the same way with Jesus. Some of you don't personally know Jesus. You know a second-hand knowledge of Jesus from what the preacher says every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. What the man of God that comes by and hands the tracks to you. What your, your praying mama tells you. You don't have that personal knowledge. And can I tell you something? None of this is ever going to make sense unless you first inherit that personal knowledge of God. Amen? None of it's going to make sense. You be coming in here and think, man, this place is crazy. Right? You see the people worshiping and dancing around and say, man, I ain't never do that. Let the glory of God get on you. I bet you jump around more than born a, a grasshopper on a summer day. Let the anointing of God get on your life. Let the Holy Spirit come down and fill you. Then you'll be the most jumpingest person in this place clapping and shouting and the, the preacher got to tell you to sit down because he's trying to share the word. Let the anointing get on you. Amen. Let the anointing get on you. It's the personal knowledge. Personal knowing God. Amen. And none of this makes sense unless you first come to really personally know God. It don't make sense. Why would you sacrifice that and do that? Well, because I love Jesus. Because I know Jesus. Because I know what God's called me to. Why would you put up with... Why, here's one. Why would you forgive that person when this is the 12th time they've done that? Because I know God. Because I love God. Because I have a personal knowledge of God. I'm telling you, Christianity don't make sense unless you come through the person. It don't make sense unless you come to know God. It don't make sense. And all you logical thinkers out there, you never come to know God because everything has to make sense and be logical. Well, maybe you need to come by faith. Amen? Amen? Some of you want power. You want victory. Well, guess what? Power and victory comes from knowing God. Some of you want peace. You got some real hectic stuff going on in your life and you want peace. Guess what? Peace comes from knowing God. Some of you need direction. You need wisdom concerning matters. Well, guess what? Wisdom comes from knowing God. Some of you lack from a sense of purpose in your life. You feel like you're not, you're not living out purpose. You don't have no purpose. Well, guess what? Here's a hint what it comes from. Knowing God. Purpose comes from knowing God. Some of you, are, you're lacking in, in spiritual growth. You want to grow, but for some reason, you know, you, you're not growing like you used to be growing when you first come in this thing. Guess what? Growth comes 
from knowing God. Some of you desire freedom from things in your life. I got quiet. Some of you desire freedom from things in your life. Maybe that secret habit nobody knows about. And you want freedom. Well, guess what? Freedom comes from knowing God. When that's the priority, right? Knowing God's priority, John 14, 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Really, Philip? You haven't come to know the Father? And you've been here how long? And knowing the Father is not priority yet? Knowing the Father is not the most important thing to you right now? Knowing the Father? You see, that's why we shut down and we're trying to really get in this conference. We're, we're telling God, all of this is good, what we do for you, what we do, what we've done. But God, these three days, knowing you is the priority. Stopping everything. And that's how church should be. When you come in the church, all this other stuff, it should be on the back burner. And you should come in this place and you should say, knowing God is priority. During prayer time, praying to God is priority. During worship time, worshiping the Lord is priority. You got six other days of the week to gossip about everybody. Don't do it in the church. Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. Six other, six other weeks, do something on your phone. Six other days, I mean, now the week. Do something on your phone. Hello. We come into this place knowing God has to be priority. And even, even, even I'm at blame on this at times. Even I, I, I fall away from this and, and knowing God may not be the priority when I come in. But that's why it's the beautiful thing about God. He's forgiving, he's merciful, and he's gracious, and he does not mind aligning stuff in your life that's misaligned. He will do it. You see, that's the thing. When somebody messes up in the world, we, we're done with them. Cut them off. We're done with you. Don't come back. We ain't messed around with you. But in the church, when we get a little uh, falling into sin or, or get a little off, off course or get a little misaligned, guess what? God just reaches out with his love and reaches out with his mercy and reaches out with his grace because he just wants to realign you to where you need to be going in the right direction. Amen. That's the beautiful thing about it. See, if you come into church and you may know about a leader's sin and you're done with a leader, that's not right. Because God's not done with a leader. Why are you done with him? Huh? He's just, he's just off course for a second. She's just, she's just out of, out of uh, alignment for a second. And guess what? God will fix all that. Amen? God will fix all that. Come on, somebody. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to somebody. Right? But that's the mentality in the world. Some of you, you know, you had that mentality in the world. You burn me one time, we're done. I ain't coming around, and guess what? I'm going to find a way to burn you too. That's the mentality of the world. Right? And if you're, if you're not careful in, in, in knowing the Father and your pursuit of Jesus in your life isn't priority, you can begin to let that mentality sneak back in. Amen? Amen. The, world, the world doesn't understand this. The cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. The preaching of the cross, the gospel, living this thing, the way we act, the way we move, the way we talk, it doesn't make sense to the natural man. Because the natural man sees a Christian and a Christian, you know, getting treated wrongly and that Christian still showing love, it doesn't make sense. Right? Aren't you brought up an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? Huh? Well, then Jesus steps on the scene and he says, hey, turn the other cheek. When somebody steals from you, give them a coat. Right? And these aren't all like physical, like this is what you do when someone steals your jacket. You go find another coat, go buy another one, give it to them. No, it's a principle Jesus is trying to teach. It's a principle. When you're wronged, don't, don't seek revenge. Revenge belongs to God. Right? When somebody starts whooping you and trying to beat you up, you don't just take the uh, turn of the cheek and just get whooped. That's not what he's saying. Amen? You, you defend yourself. You protect yourself. But he's saying when somebody strikes you first... Don't be so quick to try and strike them back. To try and get them back. Get revenge. Right? Y'all hearing me? Knowing God is priority. And when he's talking to Philip here, this shows us, saints. Saints, this shows us that it is possible to be extremely busy in ministry 
and miss the point of knowing God. Miss the real purpose and why God brought you here is to worship him. It's to know him. Right? Jesus is telling Philip, so it's possible to be busy and have that much knowledge and not know him. And so he's trying to differentiate it here. He's saying, listen, there's a difference between knowledge and knowing. You can have a bunch of information about God, right? But maybe you don't know God that personal way, right? Let me tell you an example. I was studying one time, and I shared this before over in Maybank. I was studying one time, and I was getting ready to preach on a Sunday evening. You know, I'm the campus pastor over there at Maybank, so I preached on Sunday nights over there. If you're not, yeah, if you're free, come over there. 5.30 prayer, 6 o'clock service. There's my Maybank plug. Um, <laughs> but I was getting ready to preach. I was studying, and I remember, man, it, I was pressing in, and, and I was like, man, I'm not getting nothing. I don't get nothing fresh. You know, the, the, the word's the word, and I like reading it. I enjoy it, but it's not like something, nothing, you know, is, is sticking out to me. He's not giving me a direction for the word. He's not showing me something that's just going to impact the hearts of the people. He's not giving me a home run message. And I remember I was sitting there, and I was frustrated. I was looking at sermons. I was looking at stuff on the internet, studying. I was looking at my word, looking at books. I was doing all this studying, looking at all this information, looking at all this knowledge. And I remember very specifically the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, son, and I'm getting ready to preach. Mind you, I'm getting ready to write a sermon. I'm getting ready to preach. He said, son, stop studying. And I said, God, I'm getting ready to preach. He said, son, stop studying and just spend time with me. Stop studying and just spend time with me. Because even, even deep into this thing as a preacher, as a pastor, other things can become priority over just knowing God. Your sermon prep can take priority over just knowing God. Hello, right? It can take priority over knowing God. It's like, that's crazy, right? I'm sitting here getting ready to preach, and God told me, quit studying. He said, you want me to give you something to preach? Quit studying. Spend time with me. I'm telling you, I, you know, I tell you all the time, a lot of the, the, the great stuff that, that you need to hear comes from when I worship God, not when I seek for it. I'll be worshiping the Lord and God will just speak something to me and I'll share it and, and, and it'll, just, it'll just confront stuff in your heart. It'll, just, it'll be the right rim of word that you needed to hear. Not because I was looking for a word or looking for a message to look all cool to preach, but because I worshiped the Lord and God spoke to me concerning something that the church needed to hear. Are you hearing me? He told me quit studying. Can you believe that? Getting ready to preach, he said, quit getting ready to preach and just spend time with me. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Yes. Knowing God being priority, right? You see, it's very possible that a lot of people in this room have only acquired information about God secondhand. It's very possible. Amen? But at some point, coming to the crossroads, you've got to begin to spend time with God willingly. Willingly. You see, you come to a point when you're in the ministry home, the men's home, the women's home, that, that you should have a desire to spend time with God without the leader saying, hey, it's prayer time. You should have a desire to get in your word without the preacher saying, turn to John chapter 15. You should, you should at, at some point in this thing, you should begin to grow a desire. You know, that's how you always know somebody's healthy, they're hungry, right? The first thing when somebody gets sick, what their hunger goes. Right? They're not as hungry. But when you're healthy, you're hungry. You're hungry for God. You're hungry for the Word. You're excited to go to church. You can't wait till it's prayer time. You can't wait to worship. Right? Some of you in the home, this is the best kept secret. God's got you right now where, where all your focus is is just spending time with Him and just growing and just soaking up the Word and soaking up the anointing. You guys are blessed. But the flesh, all the flesh sees is all the stuff it wants to complain about. All the flesh sees is the, uh, the discomfort and the pain and the trials and everything that's not going your way. Well, the flesh is weak, but guess what? The spirit is willing. Amen? It's the best kept secret. It's a blessing, man. It's a blessing. God's doing supernatural things during your time in the men's and women's home, man. That's what grew me to become a pastor was my time in the home. It wasn't a seminary school. It wasn't a degree. It wasn't yada, yada, yada. It wasn't an internship. It was me coming to a broken point and coming into the home and just focusing on God. Just coming to know God. Being, that being my priority. That being my focus. Amen? But you can't say you have a personal relationship with somebody 
without knowing the person. Amen? You can't say, that's good, huh? You can't say you have a personal relationship with somebody without knowing the person. Right? John 17, if you go in there, it's the definition of life. It shows us that the definition of life is what? It's knowing God. In, in Jeremiah 9, chapter 23, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, in Jeremiah, he says all this stuff, and he says, listen, all this power and strength and wisdom and riches, that's all cool, but you should only boast in one thing, and you should boast in knowing God. That's what you should boast in, knowing God. Listen, saints, nothing in this life compares to knowing God. Nothing compares to knowing God. And so why did Jesus come? To reveal the Father. And so Jesus is telling Philip, Philip, you're missing the point. I came so you might know him and know him intimately. Amen? So I'm telling you, Christianity is a personal thing. Right? It's a personal thing. It's not just a religion. It's not just a religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not therapy. Right? Christianity is a personal thing. When Jesus stepped on the scene, he started praying and he started saying, Abba. You remember that when he said that? Abba, Abba. And Abba during that time, it was a, it was a, a phrase, it was a word used for a, a personal a father, a loving father, just knowing that father's son, right? And so when he said this, all the religious people of the day, they were twisted about it. How dare you speak to God in that way, in that, that, that way? It was, dis, it was demeaning to them. Because to them, God was the guy who sit upstairs and he, he, he uh, ruled justice and, and, and everything was you know, under his control. And you know, they had the fear of the Lord, but they didn't really have a love for the Lord. And so when Jesus stepped on the scene and he made it personal, saying, I have that personal connection. He's my Abba Father. They didn't understand. Right? And this teaching, this teaching sets up a priority that many people don't like. Right? It sets up a priority that many people don't like. It's not about what you do. It's not about what you have. It's not about who you are, where you've been, what you've done. It's about knowing God. And that has to be priority. So let me ask you this morning. Is knowing God a priority in your life? Is knowing God a priority in your life? You see, if Christianity was a philosophy... We could just go to our problems and find solutions first. But it's not just a philosophy, it's personal. So first you have to go to the person. You first have to go to the person. I love it. And Nicodemus, remember when Nicodemus came at night to Jesus? And he wanted to know about his Christianity thing. And he wanted to get in this real heated, uh, argumentative, religious discussion with Jesus. He'd probably come with, with a whole uh, textbook of questions and, and wanting to pinpoint uh, contradictions and, and all this and that. And he wanted to get real deep into it and say, well, this contradicts this and this don't make sense. I don't understand this. And Jesus said, hey, listen, chill out, dude. You got to be born again. You know, I'm not trying to get in an argument with you. You got to be born again. I'm not trying to get in a heated discussion. Listen, you just got to be born again. Because once you get born again, it all makes sense. And you understand the contradictions don't mean nothing from the knowledge you have personally of knowing God. You got to be born again. You got to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? You could find thing after thing that don't make sense in Christianity. But when you get saved, when you get born again, all that is hogwash compared to knowing God. Amen? Listen, there's a scripture in the Old Testament, and, and, and God tells the people, He says, Listen, if a false prophet comes to you and prophesies something falsely, or not falsely, when they prophesy something, a false prophet from a different religion or something, Right, and he prophesies, and what he prophesies comes true, you're not supposed to listen to him. So this tells me that there are people that can come and prophesy, not by the name of the Lord, and it can happen. But the Bible says if you know God and you're focused on God, not even that can stray you away from the faith. Listen, if a Muslim prophet comes to me and tell me that, that it's gonna, it's gonna, a meteor is going to shoot down and, and strike right here and it happens, I'm going to say, that's cool, but I know Jesus. I know Jesus. One of them Buddhists or Hinduists or whatever you call come up to me and they say, well, this is going to happen tomorrow at this time. That's okay. The demons knew that was going to happen probably too. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. You got to come to the point where you know that 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 you know God is real. And it doesn't matter what you see, what you hear, none of that matters because you know Jesus. 
Because you know God. Amen? Maybe you don't get the same emotional experience that you got before in worship. Are you going to quit worshiping? Just because you don't get the Holy Ghost goosebumps? When God doesn't answer your prayer right away, like when you first come into faith because He was trying to grab a hold of you, are you going to quit praying? Huh? Do you go by what you see or you feel, or do you go by what you know? Amen? You cannot put anything else first in this life, right? It's like, listen, it's like marriage. Marriage and ha- look, doing business with your wife and being married to your wife. Okay, and I can understand this. I relate to this, right? If that relationship ain't right, you ain't finna get nothing done in the business. Amen? You ain't about to get nothing productive done. If there's problems in the marriage, those problems are going to flow to the business. And some of you with your relationship with Christ, if that relationship ain't right, you ain't going to get nothing productive done. And so the problems that stem from your relationship will flood into everything else in your life. Do you understand that? Christianity is about coming to a person. It's about coming to a person. And listen, if you're not willing to do that, there's nothing we can do for you. So we don't have any other way but Jesus. If you're not willing to fall in love with Jesus, there ain't nothing we can do for you. Amen? Are you hearing me? There ain't nothing we can do for you. If you don't want to fall in love with Jesus, you don't want to seek God, then we, we ain't got nothing for you. Because this is what, what, what we give. This is what we preach. This is what we know. This is what we share. This is what we live. Knowing Jesus. Knowing the Father. Christianity doesn't make sense until you come to the person. Amen? And Jesus in 14.6, this one on scripture, he says, what does he say? He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. So check this out. Jesus said he's the life. He said, listen, I'm the reason you live. Right? I'm not a help to your career. I'm not just the reason that, that sparked your interest into doing something new. I don't just help you do things. I'm not just the reason you, 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 you know, operate. I'm not an accessory to you. I am life. I'm the, I'm the reason you live. I am life. Some of us try to treat God as an accessory. Right? We're living our life and then something may go wrong. We say, oh God, we need to show up now. We need you to help me now. And then it gets it all back right and okay, I'll put you back over here now. Now I'm good. I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep going. We try to treat God as an accessory, right? He said, I'm the life. He said, I'm the truth. That means Jesus is the truth over everything else in your life. Over public opinion. Over your own feelings. Even over mama's opinion. Jesus, I said it, I know. Jesus, Jesus is the truth. I'm going to mad mama's later. Be all right, as long as they love God, huh? He's the truth over everything. And sometimes that's hard. Because I don't know about you, but before I came to Jesus, most of all my decisions were emotion-led. They were led by my emotions. And so when I come into Christianity and I get saved, and I begin to have these feelings, and I want to act on the feelings or make a decision on the feelings, God says, no, you don't do that. You're not led by your feelings anymore. You're not led by your emotions anymore. Amen? Jesus is the truth. It doesn't matter how you feel. It's what the Word says. Amen? He's the truth. And He's the way. The life, the truth, and He's the way. You cannot find your way to God but through the person, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Through the person Jesus. He's the way. He's the way. So then you say, well, okay, all that's cool, Zechariah, knowing God and all this. How do I know I know God? How do I know I know God? Well, knowing God is seeing with your spirit. 
You see, thousands of people saw Jesus on the earth, thousands of thousands, but only 120 believers were there when he ascended. And Jesus told Thomas, if you've seen me, right here in this verse that I opened up with, if you've seen me, and there's two Greek words for see. One means to see with your physical retina of your eye, and one is a Greek word called hara, which means to understand or you truly get the revelation. You truly get the revelation of God being real in your life. You see... Some of y'all, you, you're wanting all this stuff from God, but you don't, you don't understand. You have the greatest gift God could ever give you. And that's the reality of you knowing God is real. There's a lot of people out there that don't know God's real. And they're suffering. And they're struggling. On a path to hell. But God came to you and He blessed you with the revelation of the reality that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins so you can have access back to the Father so God becomes real to you. That in itself is the greatest blessing. I think about it all the time. Knowing God's real, you have that reality. You know God's real. Amen? That revelation. And when you know God's real, it changes you. It changes you. Amen? It transforms you. Worship Tim, you can come up. You see, some people get it twisted. Some have an intellectual faith. Someone who can talk about God all day long, but there's no change in their life. There's no transformation in their life. Right? And an intellectual faith can talk, talk about it all day long, but you don't see no transformation. You don't see no change. Right? Some people even, you know, they have an emotional faith. You know, the person who always gets emotional in church or in worship, but has no growth in their character. Am I preaching right? There's no growth in their character. And then check this out. And then some people even have a volitional faith. That word volitional, it means, you know, a, a, a willingly to, to, to commit, to discipline. And what I mean by that is some people are disciplined and faithful, but everything is mechanical. And they don't have a real sense of God in their life. You know, you always hear the term in the home, you know, hiding in your obedience. Right? You see, you got a rough character, but you know because of, of whatever you've been through in life prior to this that if you just do everything you're supposed to do and when they tell you to jump, you jump. When they tell you to go, you go. That that character won't pop out and there will be no real change. There will be no real discomfort. There will be no real pain. Right? Are y'all tracking? A volitional faith. Everything's mechanical. Everything's mechanical, but there's no growth in their character. Guess what? Saints, God wants to... Change your character. And guess what? When defects in your character pop up, it's ugly sometimes. Yeah. I live with some of y'all, yeah. It's ugly sometimes. Right? It's nasty sometimes. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes it's painful. Right? It stresses you out. And so what we do is we try to hide we try to hide our defects in our character. We try to do whatever we can to, to look the part so our real character don't come in the forefront and people think about us differently. Well, guess what? Who cares what people think about you? You should want God to change you. I'm, I was telling the guys the other night in Maybank, I refuse to go this whole year and be the same person this, the January 1st, 2020 that I was January 1st, 2019. I'm not going to be the same person. You may, you may want to drift through life and just float through this year and just do what you got to do, just do it just enough to get by to get through another year, but that ain't going to be me. And we ain't going to let some of y'all do that either. Amen? You don't ever arrive. All right? I know how I started this service. You know, yesterday's anointing was great. Yesterday's victory was awesome. What happened then was, man, it's awesome. When you first got saved, woo, that's great. You got saved, right? 
But you don't just stop seeking Jesus because you sought him then. You don't just stop praying and worshiping and reading your word because you did it then. Could you imagine getting in a car, filling it up one time, and then trying to drive it for years? You'd be broke down on the side of the road calling Bobby or something somewhere. But that's what we do spiritually. We say, you know what, we filled up then, and now God's asking us to keep driving and keep going. And for some reason, we just, we can't, we can't go because we ain't got no gas. You see, some of y'all need to gas up. And God's about to give some of y'all a great opportunity to get gassed up. Amen? Because where God wants to take us, you're not going to get there off yesterday's anointing. You're not going to get there off what happened yesterday. Amen? The victory and the the, the provision, the promise, the blessing that that happened then, that's cool. But that's not going to inspire you and empower you to get to where God wants to take you this year. Are you hearing me? Real faith changes in three ways. It changes how you think. It changes how you feel. And it changes how you act. Really coming to know God, it changes your character. Let me tell you right now. When I go to my hometown and I see people, right? They take a double take. And they say, Zach? Zach Bowl? Is that you? And I say, yeah, that's me. And I had a friend that grew up with me coming to the home. It was about two years ago. I had a friend that he grew up with me coming to the home. And he come in the home, and he was like, man, what's going on with you? Like, you're not the same person. You're, you're, you're different. You're changed. And I remember I got up there, and I had the privilege to share the word of God to one of my buddies I grew up with. And I remember after the preaching, he come to me, he said, dude, how, when'd you start doing that? How'd you learn to do that? And I said, it was God, man. God changed me. I'm telling you right now, pastor would not let me get on the stage if I was the same man when I walked in seven years ago. I wouldn't be up here. Some of y'all wouldn't even have me in your life if I was the same person as I was seven years ago. Huh? Where I'm at today, it happened because I allowed God to change my character. Knowing God's priority. And within knowing God, God changes your character. He transforms you. He changes you. And what I'm trying to say is if you don't want to be the same person a year from now as you are today, if you don't want to be that same person, if you want to, you want to have growth, you want to change, you want to overcome some difficulties, you want, you want some newness, you want some freshness, well, guess what? Knowing God has to be priority this year. Let knowing God be priority this year. Not this week, not this month, this whole year. Let knowing God be priority in your life. You want growth? Substantial growth, right? You want to experience that power, transformation? I know I'm not the only one who wants to grow in God. Well, knowing God has to be priority, saints. Knowing God has to be priority. In John chapter 1, verse 12, John chapter 1 and verse 12. You stand to your feet. John chapter 1 and verse 12. And the word of God says, But as many as received him, come on now. Everybody want to walk around claiming the rights they're entitled to what they deserve well here it is right here to as many as received him to them he gave the right somebody say I have the right come on I have the right come on one more time I have the right but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name what he's saying here is when you receive Jesus you've been given the privilege to know God
to know God. And we get off course, we get distracted, and sometimes we don't get distracted with bad things, we get distracted with good things. You see, the enemy's crafty, and he knows some of y'all, he can't get you distracted with bad things, with sin or, or wickedness. And so what he does is he tries to get you distracted with good things, things that look like you should be doing, but it takes you away from what you know you're supposed to be doing. Are you understanding me? Are you tracking? You can dim the lights a little bit, set the atmosphere. Amen. Yeah, I asked God. He likes a dim lit room. That's funny. I didn't ask him that. But 2019, this this is the year of victory. My pastor keeps saying it. This is a year of victory. You know, I preached on goals Sunday evening and how we really need to get these goals, these short-term goals, long-term goals. Well, your number one goal needs to be knowing God this year. It needs to be knowing God. Amen? And dude, in ministry, it is so easy to get distracted with everything else. The preaching, the teaching, hitting the streets, all the functions, the church functions, the worship practices, the instruments, the singing, all this stuff. The studying, reading the books, doing what you got to do in the home. It's so easy to get distracted with all this stuff. You see, some people see people in ministry and they say, man, they got it easy. All they got to do is focus on God all day long. Well, no, we also serve God. And it's real easy to fall into the trap when serving God takes priority over knowing God. Amen. This altar is going to be open this morning. I pray that this year all of us begin to experience real change in our lives. And I pray that that the priority of our living, our being, our moving is to knowing the Father. Knowing the Father. It's got to be priority. It's got to be first in your life. Amen. Apostle Paul said it like this one time. He said, being confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in me shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Which means until the day he comes back, he's still going to be moving and working in me. Moving and working for me. Changing me. Transforming me. You haven't arrived. So tell that tell that devil to shut up. Tell that flesh to be quiet. Because you haven't arrived. Amen. God's taking us somewhere. So if you would, let's worship.